Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. I want to be more active in the church, but I I just don't really have the time right now. I I, want to be evangelizing and bringing other people into the community of God, but I don't even know if I know anybody that needs Jesus right now. I want to be active in a ministry, but I don't want to be the only volunteer, or I don't want to have to be in charge of it. I want to help. But let's first get a committee together to plan it, and then another committee to plan the plan, and then another committee to critique the plan before we do something. I want to attend church more often, but brunch is out there. The adage says that after all is said and done, there is usually more said than done. Let's get into the word. Uh, Today's message is going to come from the gospel according to Luke. I'm going to be reading the ninth chapter, verses 51 through 62. Again, that is the gospel according to Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. I'm reading the New International Version today of God's word. Let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for this opportunity to gather once again in your word and uh, study it, Lord God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. 
Uh, Lord, you increase and I decrease. Hide me behind the cross so that people don't see me, but they see you. Uh, burn out anything that is in me that is not like you and allow this to be a message for your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, for the time that we get to spend together today, I would like to talk a little bit about problematic predictions. Problematic predictions. You know, if there's one thing I don't like, it's making predictions. I don't like making public predictions. And I have come to terms with the fact that I don't know what the next person is capable of doing. And I just have to be okay with that knowledge and live accordingly. I don't like when people try to make me make a prediction. Why? Because I have come to terms with the fact that I don't know what the next person is capable of doing. I know that I am not good at making these public predictions, but I also know I'm not alone. People in general are not very good at predicting the future. Uh, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit the United States in March of 2020, many of us thought that we would be home for a couple of weeks, that the virus would pass through the country and then we'd all be back to school, we'd be back to work, and we'd be back to church because everybody was going to do their part and wear masks and socially distance and not be out in these streets. We thought for sure that we would be able to come back together for Easter 2020 in April. Well, it didn't exactly work out that way. That prediction wasn't the greatest. Uh, some of us did make it back to church in April the next year or the year after that. Uh, some of us still haven't come back. Uh, there's an article written by Washington Post columnist John Kelly that lists a history of people making incorrect predictions. Uh, and he lists them. One, in the year uh, 1486, there was a royal committee gathered in Spain, and the committee told uh, the king and queen of Spain that it would be wrong for the king and queen to provide funding to some Italian explorer, explorer by the name of Christopher Columbus. Uh, the committee members insisted that if you left Europe and sailed west, that it would take three years before you got to Asia and that there would be nothing in between except uh, ocean with no features, no land, no anything. There was a congressman uh, in New York named Orange Ferris 
that couldn't believe that the United States would want to pay Russia at the time uh, $7 million for the Alaska territories. Uh, it, 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 it was a lot of money back then, but it was still a good deal because it was only two cents an acre. I wish I could find some land for two cents an acre right now. Uh, uh, but he said, what possible commercial importance can this territory be? Alaska turned out to, you know, have some oil under it and, and become a nice vacation spot and a good uh, a place for people to live, and Alaska turned out to be worth more than two cents an acre. Yeah. We aren't all great at making predictions, uh, but some people still make predictions, and we see a prediction in Scripture. Uh, here in the gospel, according to Luke chapter 9, the text I read in your hearing said that uh, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Some translations will say that he set his face for Jerusalem, but it means the same thing. He has decided in his mind what he's going to have to do, and he's headed to Jerusalem to finish it. Uh, and so Jesus, up until uh, this, has been talking about sacrifice, uh, and he is prepared uh, for the journey, and there's a preparation for the journey you would find in Luke 9, verses 21 through 50. But now he's ready to start taking a trip, and Jesus now sends some disciples ahead of him to a village in Samaria, namely James and John. Why go to Samaria? Well, Samaria is fertile ground. Uh, Samaria has some diversity in it. There are potential new converts in Samaria. Uh, we get the term Good Samaritan now from the parable that Jesus told because the Samaritan was the only person that was willing to help the man on the side of the road. But back then, you didn't want to be a Samaritan if you were a believer. That was a bad name. Uh, the church folk didn't want to be called that because Samaria had people who were not all born and bred believers. There were people in Samaria that had the nerve to have not known about God already. And, and there are people that had to hang around these people. And so that is where Jesus sent his disciples to meet new believers, not just be complacent with people already in the kingdom. And so they set out on this new thing. And the people in the first village rejected the disciples and James and John's response was to call fire down. But they got rebuked for that. We, we, we cannot respond to everything with violence. If you have to resort to violence to teach people about Jesus, you are doing it wrong. I will say that again. If you have to resort to violence to teach people about the one who came and, uh, and sacrificed himself for us and got up with all power in his hands because he loves us. If you have to resort to violence to teach people about Jesus, you are doing it wrong. And Jesus then goes on to another village 
and meet somebody along the way that says uh, that he's going to follow Jesus wherever he goes. And then another person comes and says he wants to follow Jesus, but let him bury his father first. And another one comes and say that they want to follow Jesus, but they want to say goodbye to everybody first. Uh, the first man got the response that, you know, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That first man may have envisioned something a little different. And the second one, he, he, he envisions a place to rest. He envisions a certainty in where he's going to sleep every night. Um, and the second one assumes that he'll be able to bury his father. And the third is anticipating a chance to say goodbye to his family. They seem like reasonable expectations, but why would Jesus consider them problematic? All three disciples, or potential disciples rather, fail to see that a future with Jesus is very different than the past. A future with Jesus is not the same old, same old. They cannot imagine a time where they don't have a bed to sleep in, an opportunity to go to a funeral, or a chance to visit with their family. Is Jesus saying that you need to be homeless, forget about funerals, families, and friends to be a Christian? No. Jesus is not saying reject your responsibilities, but rather is saying to look at your duties in the light of Christ. Christ should come first in everything that you do. Uh, and I also see a call out about excuses in the passage. Uh, you know, the first one, the text doesn't actually say that, you know, not the first one, but the second one, the text doesn't actually specify that his dad is dead. When you Dig into the Greek. Uh, it, it, there are some interpretations that mean that he wanted to wait until his father died before he went to follow Jesus. Uh, just like the person wanted to wait until he was sure they were going to have a place to stay until he could follow Jesus. And just like the one who wanted to wait until he could say some stuff and have some conversations you know, I, I want to be more active in the church, but I, I just don't really have the time right now. I, I, I want to be evangelizing and bringing other people into the commu community of God, but I don't even know if I know anybody that needs Jesus right now. I want to be active in a ministry, but I don't want to be the only volunteer, or I don't want to have to be in charge of it. I want to help. But let's first get a committee together to plan it, and then another committee to plan the plan, and then another committee to critique the plan before we do something. I want to attend church more often, but brunch is out there. The adage says that after all is said and done, there is usually more said than done. Amen. Discipleship is costly. You will face rejection. All the prophets were rejected. You will face uncertainty. And there will be hard work. The kingdom's work is not easy. It's not simple. And it's not always going to go the way you planned. 
But Jesus is resolute when he turns his face toward Jerusalem. And we should be resolute about doing the kingdom work of God. Following Jesus means responding to some radical demands. It means talking to some people you probably would not normally talk to. It means doing some new things. And it also means doing some old things differently. We must be resolute in our journey, just like Jesus was resolute in wanting to save us. When Jesus looks into the future, he sees the kingdom of God coming near. He doesn't see comfortable beds. He doesn't see respectable funeral services. He doesn't see satisfying family visits. Jesus envisions a future that is very difficult for us to predict because it is a future that is being created by God. They say if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Looking into the future, we as followers of Jesus often fail to see what he desires for us. And like James and John, some of us assume that Jesus wants to destroy the opposition. And then also like the three potential followers on the road, we cannot Envision a discipleship that will disrupt our regular routines. The truth is, is that our assumptions and predictions will cause problems for us unless they are in line with the coming of the kingdom. But if we act in ways that are in response to the world of Jesus, the words of Jesus, rather, we will be adding essential building blocks to the kingdom of God. Jesus is resolute in saving us because he set his face towards Jerusalem because he accurately predicted what he has to do and will do for us. Jesus was talking and teaching about sacrifice because he knew he was going to have to make one. Jesus, the sum total of all creation wrapped up in human flesh. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, the one who's enduringly strong and immortally graceful. Jesus, the king that's disguised as a kid. Jesus, divinity in dermis. Jesus, eternity in epidermis. Jesus, the loftiest idea in literature. Jesus, the highest personality in philosophy. Jesus, Jesus, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, the doctor in the sick room, the lawyer in the courtroom, bread when you're hungry, water when you're thirsty, a friend to the friendless and hope for the hopeless. Jesus knew what he had to do, and so he set on that vision. He set on that path to give himself up for us willingly. Why? Even with all the excuses... Even with all the misunderstandings, even with the, 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 the trying to make everybody who you think is against you your enemy, Jesus still set his face towards Jerusalem because he loves us. Lived a life we couldn't live, became the perfect sacrifice, a ransom for our lives 
so that we might know him in the pardoning of our sins, that we might have access to life and life more abundantly. He set his face toward Jerusalem. He did not make a problematic prediction. He made a perfect prediction. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name is great and greatly to be praised. We thank you for this word that went forth, for those who heard it, for those who will hear it later, that if there is someone who does not know Christ in the pardon of their sins, they will ask, what must I do to become saved? Lord God, we ask that this be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest for your kingdom, 30, 60, 100 fold, and that your Holy Spirit can touch your holy people to do a holy work in your holy kingdom. It is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful name that we submit this prayer. Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simpson Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching, and God bless.